Hey folks, you're listening to How to Win a Campaign, where you will get an insider's perspective that teaches you not only how to run, but how to win. I'm Martin Diego Garcia. And I'm Joe Fold. And you can find us at CMPWRKSHP on Twitter or at the Campaign Workshop on Instagram. Welcome and thanks for listening to this episode of How to Win a Campaign. We've got a great first episode for you today. We're going to be discussing the number one thing all candidates should know before they run for office. We'll also mention mistakes that candidates make when deciding to run and how to avoid them. Definitely. This, this topic is super important because candidates really need to make sure that they're aware of what is all involved when it comes to running for political office. Joe, in your opinion, what is the most important thing that potential candidates need to be aware of when they're considering a run for office? Well, I think it's picking the right opportunity. There are over 500,000 elected officials in the United States. Let me say that again. There are over a half a million elected officials in the United States. That's a whole lot of offices to run for. But often, people don't go through a process to really pick the race that is right for them. That's the community you live in, the district, the type of office from like Mosquito Control Board to U.S. Senate. There are lots of choices out there to pick the right race for you, and you just have to think through it. I I couldn't agree with you more, Joe. And I think when we train on this, we really have folks go through a political assessment, a personal assessment, and a financial assessment. And I think there are questions that you need to ask yourselves in all three of those buckets to ensure that you're really looking holistically as you make this decision of all of the different factors that could impact your uh, run for office. But I also think it's important for candidates to be aware of some of the common mistakes that we've seen made, Joe, that could really throw them off from the beginning and how to avoid them. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the worst mistakes a candidate can make is not having a serious conversation with their friends and family about wanting to run for office and what life could be like through Election Day and after Election Day if they win. This is a big choice. So true. So true. Right. While the candidate may be the only one technically running for office, it doesn't mean that your friends and your family aren't impacted or affected. Right. The candidate is likely going to be gone for long periods of time. And whether that's because they're traveling up and down the state or they're just going to nightly community meetings, even if the family travels with the candidate. Right. There is going to be some disruption in your everyday life and a little bit of shakeup in your usual routine. Yeah. I mean, You're all a part of the campaign, whether this is your husband or wife, whether it's a cousin, right? You're all a part of it in some way, whether that is giving money, knocking on doors, all of that is important. But the candidate and the candidate's family also has the possibility of losing household income because the candidate is not able to work full time. When you're running for office, you need to take time away from what you're doing, whatever that is, to knock on doors and raise money. That's going to be a financial hit, and you have to be prepared for that. Definitely. And the other piece that I want to make sure that that our listeners really note is you have to really be able to state clearly and articulate why you actually want to run for office. And usually you're going to have to do that in about 60 seconds, because if a candidate is not prepared or ready to share the why 
behind why they've decided to run and be able to share that with voters and stakeholders, donors and volunteers, it's really going to hurt their campaign. And because we live in a, in a time where sound bites are really the only part of a news cycle and because most of our attention spans are pretty short when it comes to politics, it's really essential for our candidates to be thinking about that reason and be able to share that reason as you are deciding to run for office to be able to show people what are the beliefs you have, the convictions that you have, to be convincing and really talk about what matters to voters. Couldn't agree more. Candidates need to know the reason why they're running and be able to say it to voters. Martine, you said 60 seconds. I think that's a starting point. I would say start at 60 seconds, then do it in 45 seconds, then do it in 30 seconds, then do it in 15, then explain it in five. But you have to have a real reason about why you're running and be able to say it in as short a time frame as possible. Doesn't mean you might get more time in the future, but the more you practice, the better you will be at it and you'll be able to share with people that reason why, which is so important. Absolutely, absolutely. And the whole process about deciding to run, right, the goal is to be prepared and to really not take this decision for running for office lightly. It is a serious choice that deserves really serious consideration, which is why I'm actually super excited for our interview for this episode with Jason Cantor, because he has actually had to make this exact decision a few times um, with a couple of different outcomes. And so I'm excited to get his insight on, on his process, what he thought about, uh, how he made the decisions that he made. So be sure to stay tuned as we dig in deeper into this topic right after the break. We'll be right back. Can't wait. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. We have a special guest, Jason Kander, joining us today. Jason is a former Missouri state legislator, a Missouri secretary of state, which at the time was the youngest statewide officeholder and a 2016 candidate for the U.S. Senate, as well as an Army veteran. Thank you for your service. He is the founder of Let America Vote, a national campaign dedicated to fighting voter suppression and president of National Expansion for a Voter Community Project, which is committed to providing essential services for veterans and offer transitional housing to help eliminate veteran homelessness. He also co-hosts a podcast, Majority 54, which is a weekly primer that helps a majority of Americans who voted for progress talk some sense into their friends and families. Jason, thanks so much for joining us, and I am sure you've had your fair share of those conversations with more than just friends and families. Yeah, no, used to do that for a living. <clears throat> but yeah, also with friends. I mean, I live here in Kansas City. So there are actual Republicans that make up my neighborhood, uh, as well as Democrats. So yeah, thanks for having me. Of course, of course. So I want to jump into the questions here. And the first thing I usually ask people who have made a career in the political or public space is, when did you first know you wanted to get into this line of work? So it sort of went in two steps, two phases for me. So I until I was about 16 or 17 years old, genuinely believed I was going to play center field for the Kansas City Royals or for somebody in Major League Baseball. And I then abruptly stopped growing and realized perhaps I'm not going to be a Major League Baseball player. And then I got into debate. I got into policy debate and I started to think, oh, maybe this is a competitive, interesting thing. And and then I became a political science major at American University. And like every political science major at American University, I was pretty sure that the intern badge draped around my neck on the shuttle meant that I was going to rule the entire world one day. So at that point, I just thought, well, I don't know what running for office means, but I'm going to do that. So that was the first phase of it where I just thought, that's what I'm going to do, I guess. 
And then the second was I was already kind of lining up to run for the state legislature um, back home when I deployed to Afghanistan as an army intelligence officer. But now I was in a place where we were in unarmored vehicles going on missions. And I knew that this was all driven by decisions about um, prioritizing Iraq over Afghanistan. And it really changed my perspective. Right, right. The, the things they do actually impact our lives and right, like friends, neighbors, families, the country. I mentioned in your introduction that you were elected to the House of Representatives of Missouri back in 2008. Can you expand a little bit on your initial motivations for running and, and how did you determine that the state legislature was the right opportunity for you? So for me, it was like a through line, just a thread from you know, us not having the equipment we needed and not and Afghanistan not being taken that seriously as opposed to Iraq when it should have been. And, you know, then I was looking at what was going on back home where a bunch of people were being cut off of Medicaid uh, at the time. And it was being celebrated as some sort of political accomplishment because of what it did for the state budget. And to me, I, I just looked at that and thought, OK, well, that's a politically driven decision that is screwing people over and hurting them. Yeah. And, and the reason for picking the state legislature versus... I don't know, running statewide on, from the jump or or going municipal, like local and municipal elections? I don't have regret. But if I were to advise someone now, uh, I would advise them to take a real look at being able to make an impact on a municipal level. Because I, I just believe that if you want to make a good case for progressive values, you've got to create progress people can see. They've got to be able to mm-hmm. see government actually working and doing a good job. And that really gets done at the municipal level. As to why not run statewide, I mean, honestly, look, I was an ambitious fella. Like, had I thought I could have won a statewide race at that point, I'm sure I would have tried. But, you know, I wanted to get involved and I wanted to I wanted to actually get elected so I could be involved. So you then went on to run for secretary of state and then the U.S. Senate in 2016. Could you speak a little bit about how the campaign trail differs between running for a a state office, uh, a statewide office and then in a federal office? Yeah, sure. When I talk to people who are thinking about running for office, one of the things I look for or listen for in determining whether or not they are in the right frame of mind is whether they're talking to me about door to door or about, you know, fundraising or instead about, about like speeches and events. I mean, to, to do this at the entry level, and I, I put entry level all the way up to somewhat to secretary of state, because if to do that, it's, I always say it's not the West Wing, it's Parks and Rec. I mean, that's what it is. It's door to door, it's door to door campaigning and, it, and it's, and it's telemarketing. And then running for the United States Senate in a highly competitive race that people by the end of it thought might very well determine the, who, who has the majority in the United States Senate. That was like, okay, now it's a little like the West Wing. I mean, now, now you're still telemarketing like crazy. It's mind numbing and terrible, but you are now giving the big speeches and people want the selfies and all that stuff. And frankly, like for lack of a better way to explain it, you get a little bit famous. In my case, I had an ad that went viral. So it it really went to that degree. And then the next level is where I was where 2018, I was getting ready to run for president. And then that was like, now you've got a full campaign infrastructure. You've got all those things. You've got more staff than you can even remember the names of. And you're hitting 46 states in a year and a half and on airplanes all the time. And frankly, it sucked. But that was the most like what I probably envisioned running for office was when I was in college, except one caveat, I was still telemarketing like all the time. (laughs) 
Absolutely, absolutely right. You start at T-ball and you end up in the major leagues, and you're like, "Whoa, how did this happen?" <laughs> yeah, you end up in the major leagues, and if you're good at it, you realize you still hit off a tee every day because that's how you keep your swing solid. Absolutely, absolutely. In that same vein, did you have any reservations about running for any of your campaigns? And if so, what were they, or, or how did you reconcile them? Um, it's scary every time you do it. I'll, I'll tell you a story. When I was deciding whether or not to run for Secretary of State, and it was like. What happened was the incumbent secretary of state was a Democrat and she had just announced that she was not going to run for reelection. And so there was this mad scramble, like, are people going to get in? Are they not? What are they going to do to try to clear the primary? That kind of thing. And I had two drafts of an email uh, ready to go. One said, I'm running for secretary of state. And the other did the more traditional thing, which is like, I'm considering running for secretary of state. I mean, I had about five minutes to make the decision. And my friend, Chris Coster, who at the time was the Missouri attorney general and was about to run for governor, he uh, actually, I guess he was running for governor four years later. So but he was an ambitious guy. And so I called him and I was like, what do I do? And he said, look, the thing about this is, is that if you are willing to put yourself out there and risk being humiliated in front of your friends and your family and even people you don't know, then that makes you very dangerous. And so I just sent the one that said I'm running. I ended up, you know, after some work, clearing the primary. We know that it's not just the candidate who is on the ballot, right? But that that your friends and your family, your loved ones are very much so as invested and sometimes more invested than the candidate in the outcome of the election. Any insights you have for others who are thinking of running for office and having those types of conversations, preparing their loved ones for a run for office? Yeah. Um, first thing you got to tell them is I'm going to be not very available for a few months and not just time-wise. Like this is going to be all consuming. I'm going to go to bed at night thinking, did I make myself more likely to win today? So I'm going to need some grace about the fact that when I'm physically present, I might not always be as emotionally present as I seek to be. But the other thing I would tell people is I would ask them, I would say, do me a favor. When we're together, I'll let you know if I want to talk about the campaign. You, It might be that I want to vent and I want a safe place to complain because the thing is, Nobody wants to hear a, can, uh, a candidate can, uh, complain because everybody like lives under this myth that like running for office is this glorious, enviable experience when oftentimes it's not. But then the other thing I'd say to him is, but if I don't want to, can we just not talk about it? <laughs> like, because I'm thinking about it all the time. Right. Open communication, always a key in any relationship you're building. Yeah. So uh, you have run and won, you've run and lost, you have withdrawn from races. In, in any of those, would you have done anything differently and or were there any major lessons that you learned from all of the campaigns you have run that you could provide insight for our listeners on? Oh, sure. Bunch of them. Uh, would I have done anything differently? I mean, this is a whole other podcast, but I would have got therapy for post-traumatic stress disorder from Afghanistan like 10 years earlier. That, you know, in reference to the campaign I pulled out of. But other than that, No. What lessons I've learned, I'll give you a couple. Uh, one, voters will forgive you for believing something they don't believe so long as they know that you believe it because you care about them or people like them. There's this thing where everybody is pushed to take positions that poll well. And, and, and what ends up happening is eventually you just don't stand for anything and nobody takes you seriously. If you know why you're running and you're able to tell people why you believe what you believe and show them your math, like they'll forgive you. They don't have to have the same conclusion as you if they can see how you reached it. You know, if you will take everything that you're about and you'll break it down into 
four things that are really just one thing, which is what everybody wants, which is their family to be happy, healthy, safe, and nearby. And the tension in the party around liberal or moderate is usually centered around trying to win places like where I'm from, you know, the Midwest or the South. We whiff big time on the nearby part because so much of our leadership comes from the coast where people don't have to worry as much about the kids moving away. But if you live in Kansas City, you know, I, I can tell you, I got a, an almost eight-year-old and a nine-month-old, and I already think about how do I help make Kansas City a place where they don't feel like they've got to go to Chicago or LA or New York or Boston to get the job that they want? Because I just want them to be near me and I want to be near my grandkids one day. So that's what politics is actually about. It's just that. So everything you work on, everything you talk about, just figure out how it's making it more likely that somebody's family can be happy, healthy, safe, and nearby. I love that way to way to bring it actually home <laughs> for people and, and make it really, really simple. As you mentioned, right, taking care of your mental, emotional, physical health is extremely important, when, whether you're running for office or not. Could you dig into a little bit about your decision to withdraw from the Kansas City mayor's race? How did you come to that? And do you have any advice for people who may be in a similar situation of determining whether or not they are in a mental, emotional, or physical space to actually run for office? Sure. I'll give you a very short summary, which is I deployed to Afghanistan as an Army intelligence officer in uh, 2006, 2007. And then I spent 10 years trying to convince myself I didn't have post-traumatic stress disorder, and I was wrong. And it spiraled to a point where I had to deal with it. How I made the decision, it was very easy. I was having, by that point, really bad suicidal thoughts. I just decided to take a leap of faith that I could get better and basically throw in the trash receptacle, I thought at the time, the only thing going well for me, which was my career in politics. And this was after I had already decided not to run for president, which I didn't publicly say was also because of my mental health. I talked to a lot of people who are getting ready to be candidates or who are currently candidates, just who will reach out for whatever reason. And what I tell them is, look, particularly if you're on a larger campaign, there'll be a bunch of different departments of your campaign that are vying for your attention, you know, field and comms and fundraising and all that. And their job on the scheduling call is to make the case for why they should get your time for whatever thing. There's no you department, except you, you're the director of the you department. And somebody once told me that it's a horse race and you're the horse. Well, you got to take care of the horse. So if that means time with your family, and that means time to do whatever hobby you like, time to exercise, ideally all three, you have to fight for that time and you have to try not to feel guilty about it. Now, in my case, I don't think that would have made the difference. What I needed was to go to the VA and get therapy, but it would have made it a lot better. Absolutely. Absolutely. As somebody who is who is also trying to get right within, uh, I appreciate your uh, your transparency and vulnerability in that. But talking about the other work that you also do, what came after some of your runs and your, and your uh, post-serving as an elected official, can you talk a, bit, a little bit about the work that you do in fighting voter suppression and supporting veterans? I started Let America Vote um, with Abe Rakoff, who had been my chief of staff and campaign manager. We started it in 2017 to create political consequences for voter suppression. Let America Vote merged with In Citizens United over a year ago and became uh, the largest pro-democracy organization on the American left. And now I am but a board member of the organization, which is great. And then separately, completely separately from that, two years ago, I became president of an organization called Veterans Community Project. We are fighting veterans homelessness and veteran suicide nationwide. We do it with uh, campuses that include walk-in clinics for all veterans and villages of tiny houses with wraparound comprehensive case management services for homeless veterans. It's the best civilian job I've ever had. Folks can find out more 
about that at veteranscommunityproject.org. Fantastic. Fantastic. So last question I have to ask, right? Are you considering any future political runs? And if so, will you give us a hint on maybe which one? Easy question. No, it's not to say I never will, but um, I'm enjoying my life. And, you know, I, I think it's common. I know I used to say it for politicians to say, I'm not thinking about that right now, but I'm actually not thinking about that right now. And frankly, I'm really enjoying my family. And, you know, at some point when my kids don't want to hang out with me anymore and don't think I'm as cool or when they're off to school or whatever, you know, my wife and I might take on that adventure again. For now, um, I'm in politics. I just, it doesn't got to be me, man. Thank you so much for being here, Jason. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. If you want to hear more about the Veteran Community Project, or if you want to hear more from Jason and Ravi Gupta on Majority 54, uh, you can listen to them wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll put some information in the show notes as well. We'll be right back. And we're back. Joe, I can't tell you how much I really loved having that conversation with Jason. I definitely was geeking out there a little bit because I've trained on that actual commercial that he was talking about where he was assembling that gun to talk about gun policy. And it was a really interesting way to message his campaign and and to do it in a creative way to break through the noise. And the video went viral, and which is why I get to train on it sometimes, which is was really exciting to have that conversation with him and hear Jason's perspective on it. But I also really, really appreciated Jason opening up about his process and how he thought about making those decisions to run for office a couple of times. And I think particularly when he got vulnerable and opened up about his experience with his mental health, I think very often as candidates are going through this process, it's very much, uh, what is my vote goal? Can I get enough voters to vote for me to win? Can I raise the amount of money that I need to raise and talk to the enough people that I need to talk to? And very often candidates don't sort of take the time to look at themselves, right? And be like, am I in a good place to run for office and be the candidate on the ballot? Am I in a good mental and emotional and physical place that that I can withstand what it actually takes to put myself in the public sphere, right? Because running for office is not an easy gig. And when you run for office, it's just the interview, right? You're actually interviewing for a job. And then when you win, you then have to do the job. And so you want to make sure that you are also in your calculations and your considerations for deciding to run really thinking about yourself too and taking an inventory on your your mental, emotional, and physical health as part of your calculation to decide whether or not you should jump into a race. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, involve your friends and family. Picking the right race, choosing the right opportunity is a personal decision, not just a political one. And it is a life decision that is going to affect you and your family in so many ways. One of the things Jason Kander reminds us all is that it's important also to have a life outside of politics, whether that is making sure you have time with your kids or making sure that you have a hobby. (laughs) That is really important. There's got to be a work-life balance. Now, what I'll tell you is that's not always an equal balance, right? It is a pendulum. This takes a lot of discipline and it takes a lot of planning for you to think about how many hours there are in a day and how you make this work for you, but you need to do it. The other thing that I thought was great about the interview is Jason 
talks about his continued commitment to work on issues that he cares about, whether that's working with veterans or talking about mental health issues. All that's really important. And it was so nice to hear. The other thing that I thought was great about the interview is there's a very cool through line with this podcast, which is we have Jason Kander talking about his candidacy. We also have Mark Putnam, and he was the one who helped produce that ad for the gun video, which is great. So it's neat just to see all of these connections and really hear folks talk about the process of going through all this. Yeah, and I think the other important piece, right, was to show what happens after you've actually run for office, you've served in office, and then what happens? And Jason talks about that, right? Like, he then went on to work in the veteran space, right? And he went on to do some other really amazing, impactful work based on his run for office, right? You don't run for office, and then all of a sudden, you're an elected official for the rest of your life. But but there's opportunity for you to do things after you serve time in public office. And I really appreciated um, him talking about that. I think it's all to say, Joe, right, that for any of our listeners who are considering a run for office, we want you to take it seriously. You need to be thinking about your personal stake in the matter. You need to be thinking about your financial stake in the matter. And you need to be thinking about your political stake, right? What does it actually mean? And is this the right opportunity for you? Because you should really be putting 110% into this and running because you actually have a chance to win. You're not waking up one day being like, oh, you know what I'm going to do today? Run for office, right? Like that seems like a really fun thing to put me and my friends and my family through (laughs) as a political run for office. It's a serious choice that you're making for yourself, for your family, for your community, and it should really be taken seriously. And the time and the due diligence should really be put in to making the best choice for yourself and for your community. Yeah, there's no guarantees, Martine. Trust me. Running for office is hard enough. You don't want to run for office if you're sure you're going to lose. You need to have a shot to win. Your friends and family, your community is invested in you. They're putting in their time, their money, their resources. You don't want them to do that if there's no chance to win. So make sure you have a chance, have a thoughtful process, and trust me, it is a lot more fun to work on a campaign that has a shot to win than a campaign that has no shot whatsoever. Absolutely. And you'll get that answer after going through that process and, and really taking into consider all of the pieces that, that me and Joe have mentioned, but also that Jason mentioned in our interview. So thanks so much for tuning into today's episode. If you have any questions or comments about what considerations to make when deciding to run for office, check out our website, thecampaignworkshop.com. We actually have two downloadable ebooks. One is on deciding to run and one is on jumpstarting your political campaign that walks through some of the pieces we mentioned. And always feel free to reach out to us on our social media handles or email us. Our information can be found in the episode description. Be sure to like, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And also check out our next episode on ballot measure campaigns with the team from the Ballot Initiative Strategy Center. They are awesome. Super excited about that one. Until next time, this is Martin Diego Garcia. And Joe Fold, breaking down how to win a campaign.